Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. And we pray, Lord, that as we uh, look uh, at these pictures, of these examples this morning of faith, that our faith would be unmoving. Help us, Lord, uh, as we look at these verses, to live them out by the power of your Spirit, for your praise and for your glory. Amen. When I was doing my academic studies to be a vicar, uh, we were lucky enough to live uh, in Oxford, an amazing city. If you've ever been, you know uh, that it is a wonderful uh, place. Uh, And the college that I uh, studied at was Wycliffe Hall, named after uh, John Wycliffe. It's a a place and a city steeped in history, uh, in Christian history. Uh, John Wycliffe was... Uh, named the morning star uh, of the Reformation. Uh, Not a star in the sense of those that sparkle at night, uh, but uh, the planet uh, Venus, uh, which uh, appears before the sun rises uh, while darkness still uh, dominates uh, the sky. He lived uh, in the 1300s, Uh, He died a hundred years exactly before uh, Martin Luther came uh, and the Reformation uh, happened. Uh, But Wycliffe was uh, one who wanted uh, the Bible to be translated into the uh, tongue of the people. He wanted an English version so that the people of England could read uh, the Bible uh, for themselves. Uh, At that time in history, it was illegal. Uh, The Roman Catholic Church had a law uh, that said... um, that you couldn't translate it. And if you did uh, into the language of the people, uh, you would be classed uh, as a heretic, uh, which was punishable uh, by death. Yet that didn't stop him. He still went about uh, translating it into English. He still went about making copies of it. Uh, And bear in mind at this point, the printing press wasn't invented, so they were all written out by hand. And then he went about Uh, not just him, uh, some other people as well went about distributing them uh, to the people. Amazing uh, what he did. Uh, But around 30 years after uh, his death, uh, one of the councils of the Roman church decided that Wycliffe was a heretic. uh, And so they exhumed his bones, they burned them uh, to ash and then threw them uh, in the river Swift. If you go uh, to Oxford, there is a road that has uh, a stone cross in it. Uh, It's called the Martyr's Cross, and it was said that it was there uh, that uh, three people, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas uh, Ridley, and uh, Thomas Cramner, uh, were burned for their faith. They um, remained faithful to Christ, even in the midst of such great opposition. They would not change uh, the message. The message stayed the same, even if it meant uh, that they would be killed for their faith. That's just a few examples. There are hundreds more that we could have looked at uh, about that. In the face of opposition, uh, a rejection of the message about Christ, the message of salvation, uh, those people 
remain faithful uh, and unmoved and uh, unchanged uh, in what uh, they taught. Jesus has just finished uh, that series of eight parables in Matthew 13, uh, all about the kingdom of heaven and what it is like. Uh, And you'll remember the first parable, the parable of the sower with the different soils. Uh, As we move through Matthew's gospel now, uh, as we begin our passage today, we begin to see real life illustrations of that parable. So have that in mind as we go through this week and next week, the parable of the sower. Uh, This morning we have two illustrations of the seed that lands on the path, the hard heart, the one where the gospel has no effect, no impact. Uh, It bounces off and is taken uh, away. And that first picture that we have uh, is the people of Nazareth. We've got Jesus uh, moving on now back to his hometown. Uh, And as he often did, he was teaching in the synagogue amongst the people that had seen him grow up. Uh, And they're amazed as they have been before at him. But then we get this series of questions uh, and they're sort of questions uh, about, uh, they're not sort of, they're just inquiring questions. Uh, They want more and more evidence of who uh, Jesus is, uh, which leads them to take offense at, at him. So we begin with this amazement again, but actually they're offended by him. Uh, and that word offense is uh, it's the idea of uh, a stumbling block, uh, causing someone uh, to trip up. Uh, and so these questions that are coming, they're more in the sense of uh, who does he think he is? Their hearts are hard towards Jesus. Because this isn't the first time that they've heard and seen Jesus do uh, what he's doing. They've heard many times the message of salvation, uh, yet the more they hear uh, and the more evidence they ask for, the more they show their unbelief and their hardness of heart. And so just like that seed that lands on the path, it has no impact uh, upon them. Jesus said uh, in Luke 16, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone raises from the dead. And there are so many people like that. You can have conversation after conversation, going through the different evidence uh, for Jesus, looking at what he said about himself uh, and how he proved that he was the Messiah, uh, yet they still uh, reject Christ. And so here we have Uh, The people of his own town are blind to the truth that stood before them. Their hearts were hard. And Jesus then says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and his own home. And he did not do any miracles there because of their lack of faith. In his own town, Jesus was met uh, with unbelief. And so we see that picture of that first soil, uh, the hardness of heart uh, in these people. Then we get this second picture uh, of Herod, the Tetrarch. We've just seen uh, a whole town reject Jesus. Uh, Now we see a man, a powerful man, uh, reject Jesus. It's Herod uh, Antipas. He's son of Herod 
the great, and you remember Herod the Great, the one from Matthew 2, the Christmas one that we always read as he went out and gave that command to slaughter all those uh, boys under the age of two. And he's heard about Jesus, uh, Herod Antipas here, who's been ruling for 32 years, uh, and he's distressed. He's distressed because he thinks that this Jesus is actually John uh, risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work uh, in him. He thought that this was John, probably because uh, of the guilt that he has of what he did to John, which Matthew gives us a flashback uh, to. John has been arrested. He's been thrown in prison. Why? Because he was bold enough to say to Herod, ship is unlawful. This relationship that you are having with Herodias uh, your half-brother Philip's wife uh, is unlawful. Before this relationship happened, they were both married. And she was married to, to Philip, Herod's half-brother, brother, and Herod was married. He was married, um, and so he had to divorce his current wife, which uh, almost led to his death, uh, because she was the daughter of one of the neighboring kings who had come to this agreement and had this alliance which then threatened to uh, collapse that but that didn't stop him uh, from having this unlawful uh, relationship and not only is it unlawful but it was also incestuous uh, she was his half-brother's wife but she was also the daughter of one of his other half-brothers and so she was his niece uh, and you're reading this and thinking this is like EastEnders or Coronation Street what is going on? But what we see in Herod uh, is somebody who is wicked and weak. Uh, but we also see uh, that wickedness in Herodias. We see that she is wicked, uh, but she is uh, ruthless as well. Uh, and we'll see why uh, in a moment. It reminds us, and it's that picture uh, of John again being the one like Elijah. So Elijah in the Old Testament in 1 Kings 18 confronted King Ahab. Just like here we have John confronting uh, King Herod. Uh, and there Ahab uh, had Jezebel, the evil woman. Here we have Herod and Herodias, uh, the evil woman. And we see John, just like Elijah, going to confront uh, Herod. But what we see is that anyone who speaks the truth, who speaks the word of God, uh, who calls uh, sin for what it is, uh, we see that that is costly. John his life. But regardless of the cost, speaking the truth is worth it. One New Testament writer uh, put it like this, it cost him his head, but it is better to have a head like John the Baptist and lose it than to have an ordinary head and keep it. And so what we see here is John uh, standing uh, for Christ with conviction no matter the cost. We see it here with John. Uh, we see it with the other John, John Wycliffe. Uh, we see it with Latimer, uh, Ridley and Cramner. We see it from many other people uh, throughout history uh, as well. And that's why it's good this morning that we've been able to pray for our brothers and sisters 
across the world who are suffering their faith, who are unmoved in what they believe. Uh, and we must be always praying uh, for them. And so John was put to death uh, because Herod made this rash and foolish uh, and drunken promise uh, to Herodias' daughter, who we know uh, is called uh, Salome. One writer comments, when the dish was brought in with the bleeding head on it, no doubt uh, Salome took it daintily in her hands, lest a drop of it should stain her, and she tripped away to her mother as if bearing her some choice dish of food from the king's table. It was not uncommon to bring the head of one who had been slain to the person who ordered it as a sure proof that the command had been obeyed. It's quite gruesome and graphic, isn't it, when we think about what is happening to John here. And then we read in verse 12, chapter 14, John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Can you imagine that? One of you, the followers of John having to go then and get his body and bury it. Someone who they loved and they followed has now been killed for their faith. So Matthew takes us back. He gives us this flashback. But he also, this is also a foreshadowing of Christ and his uh, crucifixion. He was hated uh, by the Pharisees. He was admired by Pilate, uh, the ruler, uh, but who gives into the pressure uh, of the crowd, just as Herod did. He gave into the pressure uh, of that dinner, birthday party that was uh, the people there. Uh, and then Jesus is put to death. And then what do we read? Uh, we read that Joseph of Arimathea came and took his body uh, and buried it. So we have that foreshadowing uh, of Jesus' death. But what amazing boldness uh, from John. He continued uh, to preach the message of salvation. He continued to call people to repent and believe, even uh, this powerful uh, and wicked king. And it's that boldness that we see uh, throughout Scripture. We see it as we read the Acts of the Apostles. We see it there in Stephen and Paul and Peter and others. We see it throughout history. And what we see with this boldness is that John and those like him feared nothing and no one except God. But what we see with Herod is that he feared everything and everyone except God. Again, in this uh, picture here of Herod, we have an illustration uh, of the seed of the gospel landing on the path, on the hardness of heart. As I was preparing this week, what really struck me uh, was um, the message was unchanging. No matter what uh, the opposition was, no matter how severe the rejection was or the consequence, the message never changed. It was the same message of uh, salvation. Uh, when we live our lives, when we live our Christian lives righteously and in holiness, uh, when we 
uh, go in word and deed and share the good news uh, of Jesus, that message of salvation, uh, we will uh, face opposition. That message will be rejected. People will take offense at Christ uh, and they will reject him. But don't be surprised by that. We've just had those parables and that first one again, the parable of the sower, it shows us that. Out of those four, di- four different soils, there was only one uh, that was the good soil that responded uh, to Christ. All the rest ultimately uh, rejected. But the temptation is when we face such opposition, when, when the message is rejected so often, uh, the temptation is that we uh, want to change the message so that it doesn't offend people. So that people don't uh, oppose us. It's so easy uh, for us to be tempted to say, uh, God loves you just the way you are. You don't need to change. We could be tempted to soften the message by uh, saying, just add Jesus to your life and your life will be so much better. We uh, could soften the message by uh, removing that call to repentance. We could soften Uh, the message by being vague uh, about sin and about Christ. But what we see here uh, with John, uh, what we see uh, in the parable of the sower, is that the message is unchanged. No matter what the response uh, that comes, the message stays the same. John was uh, bold enough and loving enough to go to Herod Uh, and point out uh, that he is a sinner in need of a saviour and Jesus is that saviour. But to look at that example uh, and do the same. And I think it's an important reminder for us in in the world and the culture that we live in uh, with all that is going on, especially around the celebration uh, of immorality in our world. Do we soften the message and say love is love? Or do we say, as John writes in 1 John chapter 4, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is good news. But if the message is changed, it no longer is good news for people. J.C. Ryle said we should speak in Christ as those who have themselves received mercy, as those who desire to exalt not themselves, but the Savior, and as those who care nothing what men think of them, so long as Christ is magnified in their ministry. The gospel, the message of salvation, isn't man-made. It's from God. And who are we to think that we could change that message? Let's be bold like John. And take that message unchanged into the world around us. Yes, we might suffer. Yes, we might face opposition. Yes, uh, that message will be rejected. Uh, We might even die. But we go uh, fearing God, not man. So that some might hear and believe and repent and turn to Christ. Bowing the knee to him as king we might suffer but we go not in our own strength but in the strength of Christ that he has given us uh, by his indwelling 
spirit. And we go, even though our lives may end up like John, we go knowing that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.